damn, Cindy. I mean, you know, we won the game, but once again, that's right. We won the game. I had to carry the team. You, what you carry? You carry these groceries home. What you talking about? Who scored the most points? Who scored the last shot? You know, this is this is like the third time that I've had to hit the game winning shot because you can't guard your man. No, you know what? I'm too busy over here playing defense. I'm too busy over here distracting the other team with my 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 glistening chest over here. You see this chest exposed to the sun? I'm blinding the other team. I'm making sure they can't see you while you score them weak little two pointers over here. Always with the chest. Like, can you can we come up with something else? Can you do something else besides have your chest out? Like, we're not going to Cindy Dean. I don't do nothing else. My chest is out here. I worked hard on this chest. Okay. Okay, okay, this trust has been sculpted since 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 grade school, okay? I okay. eat my fruits and veggies. Okay. Well, you know what? I I think I think let's uh, how much how much money did we get? Well, we got a uh, $1000 right here. All right. Put that down right here. And All I, right. And I bet you that you can't hit five threes in a row. <laughs> Talking about I can't hit five threes in a row. Man. Mm. I bet you, I bet you that whole winning right there, that you can't dunk on me. Yeah, uh-huh, hmm. uh-huh. Wait, 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 No, no, this is how this always happens. You bet me on some basketball stuff, and then you swindle me out of my money. I'm not doing oh, that again. I'm not doing well, that again. Because okay. I, I bet you that you don't know the lyrics to Piano Man. Oh, oh damn, I got it. What's that? Is that uh, Elton John? That's somebody. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Uh, I bet. Ooh, 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 ooh. I bet you don't know the theme song to Two Two Seven. Two. You know what? No, no, no. Because yeah, I uh-huh. bet you that you don't know all the main characters on Cheers. That, uh, that's um. Damn, that's there's a lot of white people on that show. Uh. Oh, hold on. Uh, no, you know what? <laughs> I, I got you. I got you. Mm. <laughs> I, I bet you. I bet you. Um, ooh, I bet you. You can't go across the street over there and buy a dime bag without them taking your sneakers off. I, I can, I can buy weed. I bought weed before. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, you, you don't even know what it is. You, I, you don't even know what it is. Look at you. Uh, well, you know, what? I bet you can't go across the street to that bank over there and get a loan that's me that's me spirited i don't like i don't like what you hey hey wait those guys taking our money what oh what? god not again get, get back here thank you this is your fault sydney <laughs> i gotta distract him with my chest can't save us. We don't want to be saved. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is a podcast where we deconstruct these white savior films and recontextualize them through a black and PLC lens. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And we're we're recording this on Malcolm X's birthday, which feels uh, appropriate in some ways. <laughs> Happy Born Day. Happy Born Day. Um, but we've got a movie here that I've got, I really want to get into because I have questions. Uh, yeah. That I, I'd like to hear your perspective on, Cameron. 
Let's um, do it. Let's do it. This is also an original recipe episode because it's just us. Uh, no, Ooh. no guests this week, but still, y'all but love all us, the right? herbs and spices. Yeah, you right don't here. just come here for the guests, right? If you, <laughs> I don't blame y'all. You know, it's always nice to hear a different <laughs> voice, but I, it's, it's nice. To, we have been having some fire guests, yeah. you know. So, like, I understand, but for sure. Um. Well. I guess we could just get right into it because uh, <laughs> yeah, not a lot of preamble to go through, but this so you, you know who you know what it is, yeah. y'all know what it is. <laughs> uh, well, I'm interested because I was this on our movie list or is this a movie that we picked? So I don't think this was on our movie list actually. Yeah, but I brought it up because my roommates were watching it and I had never seen it before. Yeah, but I'd always heard about it, obviously. And I was watching it, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a White Savior movie, and it's not on. We got to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we're talking about White Man Can't Jump, uh, which is a beloved <laughs> 90s classic sports film that stars Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes, directed by uh, Ron Shelton, who is also known for films like Bull, Bull Durham and uh, Tin Cup. Mm. He wrote it and he directed it and uh, came out in 1992. Budget was 31 million. Box office was 90.8 million. So it was, it was a very That's successful a film. You know what I mean? It Technically. Yeah. You know, like, and especially it's, it's interesting because that's the era of the sports film in a lot of ways. When you think about like, again, dating back to stuff like Bull Durham, but even like Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes were in Wildcats together. And then you've got stuff like Above the Rim. Uh, you got stuff like we did. Uh, <laughs> we did the Arab there, and I think Mr. Baseball is also like ninety two or yeah. Mr. Baseball is in this time frame. You know, Major mm-hmm. League is in this time Major frame. Major League. Um, so like these sports films were were coming out pretty pretty quick, pretty often. Right. Uh, and this is one that was able to break the mold in a couple different ways. But it is interesting to to kind of note it because it was it came out of the time like Wesley Snipes was kind of known but really more so like Mo Better Blues was like the biggest thing that was his biggest thing done. at that moment which is wild to yeah. say that like Spikes that's like indie Spike like right. a lot of people don't even know Mo Better Blues is in his filmography until you mention it to him yeah well, but he does a great job in that film. For sure. Well, and then because New Jack City, I want to say, comes out after. Right this, after. Right? Yeah. Right after Mo Better Blues. Yeah. Um, and then um, then Jungle Fever, and then a right. movie called The Water Dance that I've never heard of. <laughs> and then uh, White Man Can't Jump. So it's not far from that. Yeah. But this is kind of the one that, like, everybody takes notice of Wesley, and then he kind of goes on to, to do a lot bigger specifically more action-oriented films um, passenger 57 yeah. <laughs> uh but woody harrelson also like he had done movies before this that were well regarded and he was kind of you know uh, an actor that people enjoyed but this was also a big film sure. for him as well that kind of like because he was still on uh cheers at this point um oh that's right he's on that show actively yeah at this yeah, time. yeah. So this is kind of like, oh, Woody Harrelson might also be a movie star too, you know, like might yeah. also be somebody that is a, is a leading man in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. So I will, well, before I get into the five minutes, so yeah, this this was the first time that either of us had seen this movie. 
Oh, so you hadn't seen it either? I hadn't seen it either, no. I had oh, seen wow. I had seen it in the way that you see a movie on TV, you know, so like I had never seen it from the beginning. Yes. I'm aware of certain parts, you know, and like uh you know, certain certain quotes and like even you know, there's a lot of iconic stuff about this film, specifically, you know, the the cover, the poster, right? This Wesleyan Woody oh, Harrelson just kind of staring at you. Um <laughs> you know what I mean? And like yeah, yeah. the fashion, right? Like Wesley's Wesley's got the bicycle hat and like the um the, they, the low A shirt. Yeah, they both they both have, you know, Nikes that were made specifically for the movie. And so, you know, there's a lot of that going into it where it's like even if you haven't seen the movie, you kind of feel like you've seen a lot of different parts of it. Mm. But I had yeah, I had seen I had seen it in bits and pieces, but never from start to finish. And you just I don't I don't count a TNT watch. Yeah. <laughs> as like a full watch. I don't I never count that. But so you just your your roommate had it on, you just kinda walked in to see it? Literally I walked in and the credits were the opening credits were on. I was okay. like I guess I'm gonna have to sit down. All right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do our five minutes here. This is one that like I think I can do in five minutes because I feel like even though there are twists and turns, it is there's large sections of it that it's not necessarily repeating itself, but it is like you're getting a lot of basketball scenes. You're getting a lot of, you know, Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez going back and forth and all that. So, yeah, um, let me know. Give me the countdown and we'll see if I <laughs> we'll see if I can put my money where my mouth is. All right. Three, two, one. All right. So movie starts out with uh, Billy Hoyle, who is played by Woody Harrelson. He's walking along Venice Beach. For some reason, there's like a like a doo-wop crew or like almost like an old blues crew kind of just singing on the boardwalk. And, you know, they they do a little hymn and like Woody comes up and tips them a bit. And he's like, oh, is, is you know, is the Venice court around here? Because he starts naming off all these like legendary streetball players. Um, he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get in the game. And so he walks over to the court and nobody's there yet. You know, and then he kind of lays down and then transition wipe into, you know, just a game in full progress. Right. And that's where we meet Sidney Dean, who's played by Wesley Snipes. And he's just he's going at he, there's a, there's a whole, you know, it's, it's everything you know about streetball. Niggas is arguing fouls. They're arguing the score. They're going back and forth. People's moms get brought into it. Um, <laughs> and basically, Wesley is is really tear it into this one dude in particular who ends up just like quitting the game. He doesn't want to play anymore. Uh, and so, you know, they need one more person to come in. He's also been kind of going back and forth with Woody Harrelson, but he sees him sitting on the bench and he's like, yo, you, you know, come in the game. Let's see what you can do. And so Billy gets on the court and like starts off a little bit like, Oh, you know, I mean, he's basically hustling. He's like, Oh, I don't really know how to play. And then he like starts doing all these no look passes and shit. And Wesley gets pissed off. Uh, Woody ends up winning the game, but he's like, nah, fuck that. That was, you know, two on two, three on three, whatever. Like, you know, let's, let's shoot, you know, you got money. Let's put up some money. So they start shooting. Um, again, Woody's giving them the, Oh, you know, like I'm not so good at shooting. I never make two in a row. I never make three in a row. Um, but then starts talking some shit to him at the end and Wesley ends up missing the last shot, losing his money. But he's, he's kind of, he's also kind of intrigued about who this, this dude who just came out of nowhere is who hustled him out of his, 
$72 for Sizzlers. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, we know that Woody Harrelson is shacking up with his, his girlfriend, Gloria, who's played by Rosie Perez. They're at this motel. They're on the run, you know, from some people who are trying to get them for, for a debt that they owe uh, over some, not, I mean, not some bullshit, but, you know, they definitely got into some, some shit uh, back in Louisiana. And so mm. Wesley follow, just follows them to their <laughs> motel and just walks in and he's like, yo, I got a proposition for you. You know what I mean? Like, you, you don't look like much, you know, when I see you, but I think that you can help me help you help me make some money. You know what I mean? We could go to these courts. We can hustle some people. There's a two on two tournament coming up. Like, what do you say we go out here and kind of, you know, get, get, get a little, a con going, a hustle going. And so that's basically the next hour of the movie is like them playing basketball, different courts, hustling people, Woody Harrelson and Rosie Perez having sex. Um, and Wesley Snipes, <laughs> Wesley Snipes and his and his girlfriend or his wife actually, you know, kind of trying to figure out their situation. They want to move out of the projects. They're trying to move into a new home, and so we're kind of getting glimpses into their life. And then obviously Woody Harrelson and, and Wesley Snipes just bickering back and forth. Um, so they end up playing this one game in particular where, you know, Woody Harrelson kind of he, he walks off the train. He's coming up to the court, you know. Wesley has done this normal thing of pissing somebody off and going to them into playing a two on two game against you can choose anybody and they always choose Woody Harrelson. Um, but this time, you know, Wesley's like, yo, I got 500, I got 700, I got a thousand, I got $1,700. You know, it's like this big, big money game. And so this is all of the money that Woody Harrelson has, you know, he's put up basically the money they're trying to save to pay off their debt. And, Game is going well until things start to go south. You know, Wesley misses some shots. You know, he's having a bad game. They end up losing the game and losing all of that money. And so Woody Harrelson's down bad. He's pissed off. He goes back and tells Rosie Perez, oh, you know, like, I did it again. I lost all of our money in a basketball game. And she's like, fuck that. That's our money. I'm going to go get our money. And she goes over. She storms over to Wesley Sipes' house. Um, you know, him and his boys. We find out that, like, it was a con. He was getting hustled because the same people that they lost the game to are hanging out at Wesley's crib. They're counting the money together. And um, Wesley's wife, who who I want to get her name right. Who was she played by? She's around a lot. She's Tyra Farrell. Tyra Farrell. Yeah. She's pulls Rosie Perez aside to have a conversation that's basically like, I'm not going to give you the money back, but maybe we can work out a compromise. And the compromise they work out is that we're going to, oh man, uh, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's all good. Once again, once you're close. You're close. You're close. I am close. Uh, the the compromise they work out is that y- y'all are going to play this two on two tournament. Grand prize is five thousand dollars. Y'all go out there. You win that money. Everything's good, right? So they go out there. They're arguing. They're bickering, but they're also you know getting into everybody else's head. They're talking shit to everybody, to themselves, to each other, to the people that they're playing. They end up beating the the best team in this tournament. Uh, winning the five thousand dollars, it looks like everything's good until they get back in the car. They're driving home, and then they just they can't help themselves. They're still talking shit to each other. Woody Harrelson has some eighties, nineties comedy theory about you know black guys do this, white guys do this. You know white guys <laughs> have skills and care about winning. Black guys just want to look good, whatever. Um, and Wesley's like, you know, you're full of shit. And then it ends up. Get into a thing about Woody Harrelson claiming that he can dunk and like he'll put up his half of the money they just won 
to prove like, oh, give me three chances, I'll dunk, and then you know, give me give me your half. Of course, he misses all three, so he loses his money again. Um, back to being down bad, and Rosie Perez is not having it. Um, but she's also got a dream of being on Jeopardy. Every time we see her, that she's she's training for Jeopardy. She's ran- memorizing all these random facts and stuff. And so Wesley's got a guy who works at the lot where they film Jeopardy. When he's like, "Yo, she's about to leave me. Help me out. Hook me up. What can you do?" Right. And so Wesley's boy makes a call, gets her on Jeopardy. She comes in. She's killing Jeopardy. You know, like it starts off a little rocky, but then they start asking her, you know, what foods start with Q and like all this other stuff. And she's got all that. So she ends up being the big winner for the day. Apparently, they give you your winnings in straight cash because she's got a jar of cash. (laughs) Or she immediately cast the check. I can't tell what, but she's she's basically making this ultimatum, right? Like she's like, yo, we've got a chance here to make a life. Woody, you can get a job. You know, we can kind of start fresh. We can pay off our debts, all that stuff. Woody um, is thinking about it, but Wesley Snipes' house gets robbed. All his stuff gets stolen. All his money gets stolen. He's got to get a big score. So he comes to Woody and he's like, yo, I got this game. You know, these streetball legends, they're down at the court. People are betting big money on it. We could go down there. We can make triple, quadruple, you know, things that we've won in the past. But Rosie Perez is like, you got to make a choice. Is it me or is it the hustle? Are you going to choose me or are you going to go down there and, and play and gamble my money away, basically? And Woody is an idiot. And he's like, why not both? <laughs> why can't I have both things? And she's like, that's not how an ultimatum works. So I'm going to leave now. <laughs> yeah. But he ends up going down to the court with Wesley because he does owe him. And they end up, you know, beating the streetball legends on on the final play where Wesley throws a no-look behind-the-back pass over his head, and Woody Harrelson finally dunks, disproving the title of the film. Um, they win in untold amount of money. I don't really know yeah, if it's really a lot either. or what. It seems like a lot. A lot of people are betting money. Um, but Woody goes back to the hotel that he and uh, Rosie Perez were at, and she's gone. She's left him, you know, for good. And so, you know, the movie kind of ends with, well, the movie ends with the people who he's been running from the whole film, running up on him and and saying, you need to give us whatever it is. I guess he had enough money to pay off the debt. Uh, So he ends up debt free, um, you know, and he and uh, Wesley are just, they're boys now. Maybe Wesley's going to get him a job. I don't know. Maybe they're going to keep hustling. Uh, but he I'm lost sure. Rosie Perez. He actually like that didn't work out. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but that's that's white man can't jump in more than five minutes, but well, maybe eight, eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little more complicated. Yeah. Though. Um. So here's my question: Is it a white savior movie? I am am not not seeing. Like I'm willing to be convinced. You know what I mean? Like I, I can, I can see the argument, but you know, if you run through it, like Woody Harrelson is is down bad when he starts off. Um, you know, he does help Wesley Snipes. You know, win some money and win some games, but then ultimately Wesley hustles him out of all his money, uh, and then Rosie Perez leaves him. You know what I mean? So he doesn't. She's 
everybody seems to be better off without Woody Harrelson, basically. You know what I mean? Like, At the end not, of the movie, that yeah, is the yeah. lesson you kind of learn. Yeah, he's not really helping save people. And so I was kind of like, you know, there's elements there, but like, what, what's your what's your argument for Cameron? Okay, so I, I, I kind of do feel like it is because I feel like the whole movie is based on the notion that if Wesley didn't have Woody, it doesn't happen. Right. He like he he needed the white dude. As the, you know, as the patsy and the hustle in order to make any of that happen. Right. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like the happiest white savior movie in that sense to me, <laughs> where I argue it, you know, because like right. they needed each other. Yeah. And Woody is the person to come into Wesley's life. So that's why I feel right. like it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind vibes. Yeah. Vibes. No, it's definitely there. White and savior we- vibes. <laughs> the movie is from Woody Harrelson's perspective, right? Like it is about Billy. Yes. Like Sidney has a plot, you know. For sure, like he's he's around and he's, I, he's a, he's an integral part of the movie. But yeah, I mean, even if it's like, you know, a buddy comedy, like we're definitely seeing things more or less from Billy's point of view. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, when everything goes bad, you know, you're supposed to feel bad for him, you know, and like he, he's right supposed to be kind of a sympathetic i don't know if he, i mean he's kind of a loser in the sense that he's like you know he doesn't have his shit together um mm-hmm. but you know he's also like it's unclear they don't necessarily say it but maybe he's better at basketball than sydney you know what i mean like maybe he's the better player and the movie doesn't outright say that either yeah they kind of leave it up to you but like he does score the last basket of the movie. You know what I mean? Like he does win the, the game for them. And right. I think, does he not also win the two on two tournament? I forget. He wins the two on two. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and every time they're, they're asking him to do like to get Rosie Perez on the jeopardy, the dude he's talking to is like, yeah, you got to make this shot from half court and it's got to be a hook shot and like all this other stuff. And just on the first try, he just throws it and it's, it's, Sw- nothing but chain swish <laughs> um, and uh you know, like it seems like there's a lot like a lot of it's just easy for him like it's never right. like he's never the reason they lose right like the the one time they do lose is because sydney basically throws the game um right you know to get to get his money and usually when he loses usually when um when billy loses it's at it's like at the cost of his own hubris you know yeah 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 you know, so I mean, yeah, like the one thing he can't do, at least for a small section of the movie, is dunk, and then he, and then he does dunk at the end. So, um, so he saves white people from embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> he's kind of he kind of is like a low key. He's not as magical of a character, but he does. I mean, basically, he just kind of blows into town and like Wesley's got I'm a whole talented. scheme going on. Yeah. So you're saying he's a magical white person? He's a magical Caucasian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I mean, I like there's, that. there's a couple of things I, I do want to get into. And first and foremost, it would be, you know, this is, again, another movie that's written and directed by a white person. Um, and so, like, I'm very curious how you viewed the racial politics of this film, because... It is one where 
on the like very visual level, right? On the surface, even just looking at the poster, like you mm-hmm. would think that race would be a key element of the film, right? Like not even just like a coming and going kind of like plot point, but like not the crux of it no. either, but like definitely no. something that played a role in the film and it kind of doesn't. And I've heard people talk about it in a way that like, you know, it's, it's, there is, a number of black and white buddy comedies even of the time even if you're thinking of like 48 hours if you're thinking about trading places trading places um, fucking you know um, i mean even go back to blazing Bla- saddles yeah blazing saddles right you know what i mean like in those movies like race it it was about race you know what i mean like there was an right. element of like whether it was the hokey black guys do this and white guys do this and ooh, how are they gonna <laughs> you know like coexist or you know be be friends or partners or like whatever they got to do. Um, right. Even like, what was that movie with, um, was it Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis where they're like handcuffed the together? Now. Yeah. No, that's, is that the last boy scout? I don't know. There's a movie Google. with them where it's, it has a similar vibe where it's just like, you know, this ex con and this FBI agent, how are they going to do whatever they do? Yeah, yeah. It's the last boy scout. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there's stuff, you know, it was like not a out of the blue concept. Like it had been a thing that had been in many a film, but it is kind of like this movie, at least to me, like it's not really a thing. Like he's white in the sense that like people see him come to the basketball court and they're like, oh, he probably can't play. They're like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. everybody goes, oh, man, who's this guy? Yeah, he's dressed goofy, you know what I mean? Like, he kind of looks like a goober, like he can't really play. And so that's kind of the hustle. And people just say, oh, yeah, white white, white boy can't play, you know, and, and Watts and South Central and Venice Beach and wherever they are. Yeah. Um, but, like, we we never get more than that. I don't think like there's... It, it is it is surf. I will say it's like surface level the the racial like dynamic of it all. Yeah. it's very surface level. But what I did think was interesting was it it felt observed. Mm-hmm. You know, like black life felt observed in yeah. a sense. Like it didn't feel stereotypical. Like what. 98% of the movies we oh, watch on this sure. podcast, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which honestly felt startling to me. Cause yeah. I was like, I had to check and make sure Ron Shelton wasn't a black guy. I was <laughs> like, all right, no, you know, I mean, he's not invited to the cookout or nothing like that, but yeah. I was just like, oh, he did his research a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we get into the behind the scenes, there are some interesting stories about the movie and kind of how some things came to be. Um, I will say that man typed the N word onto a typewriter. <laughs> He did it. And he was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I got one. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I yeah, I just thought that was it. Because, it it's not, again, it doesn't have to necessarily be that. And we'll, we'll discuss this, too, when we talk about the obvious elephant in the room is that they're remaking this movie. Um, and, Ooh. you know, we'll see how that goes. But, like. With with hip hop's greatest, with hip hop's uh, <laughs> with hip hop's white savior right now. Yeah, but like I, I I gotta feel like that's gonna be a more prominent plot point in the movie is that they're a white guy and a black guy. But like you're saying, I do agree that there is a lot of this movie that 
you know, they didn't they didn't wade into it unnecessarily, which is I mean, it's kind of a strange catch 22, right? Because on the one hand, it's like I feel like the marketing of this movie is telling me that's part of the movie. You know what I mean? The title's telling me that. Yeah. You know, and so I, I would think that there would be more. Again, not necessarily like commentary, but like investigation, discussion, you know, like it would be. Uh, some part of their relationship and it kind of boils down to like teasing more than like actual like yeah not even like i resent you because you're white or whatever but it's like you know even like oh you know like you got to go play division whatever basketball at you know whatever school and like i had to play out here in the streets because you know extenuating circumstances you know a blackness you know what i mean or something like that i don't know um (laughs) But I, I do appreciate that this movie doesn't place blame. No. And that's, um, I mean, that's not necessarily the world we live in, you know? Right. I, th- I feel like the world we live in is a little bit more caustic, a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. But because um, this movie is a buddy comedy, it's a yeah. little, you know, it's very buddy around the edges. But it's also nice to see, you mm-hmm. know, where I can just like, relax and be like oh we're having a good time yeah versus like that white man called me such as such. <laughs> oh man i hope they dunk a basketball on his head you know like yeah. the, there's there's none of the animosity uh, not none of it but there's like w- a whole lot less of the animosity and it makes the movie go down smoother a little bit i guess and there's sense. no scenes of like woody harrelson trying to be down and like you know walking in thank and like, god yeah you know he's he's not you know, trying to speak in slang or uh, not trying to walk the walk. There's no black scent. Yeah, he's not. He's not trying to like again, even like dress differently or do. You know, he's very much so like seems genuine and authentic. Um, you know, even yeah. like well, we can talk about we can transition into his relationship with Rosie Perez. Um, sure. But even that doesn't feel like a thing where he's like, I got one. Yeah. I mean, like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm dating this woman because I have like, I fetishized her or, you know, something like that. It just seems and like that doesn't even feel. Yeah. That yeah. This is my girlfriend. Like... You know, this is the mm-hmm. woman that I've, I've, I've been with for however long, um, you know, and their relationship is toxic, um, but sure. also does feel like, yeah, that's a couple that's been together for six years or something like that. Like those are the people that you can you know, believe have kind of gone through those ups and downs of, you know, she's walked out on him a few times, like he says, and, um, you know, they've had their, their ups and downs or whatever. Mm -hmm. It actually feels circumstantial. Yeah. I mean, well, let's, let's, let's talk about a few people. I feel like we, uh, I don't know if we've, we've passed the moment, but we can always, always play it. Are we talking? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, let's talk about Rosie Perez for a little bit yeah uh, sure because i feel like she's a very interesting character in this in that i think that she you know it's it's weird because like it feels like she's got her own movie almost kind of like within the movie like her journey to get onto jeopardy and like all her her other dream you know because it, it's it's a very realistic like it feels silly at the beginning but like the more the movie goes along like she does mm-hmm. play it in a way that's like People have those dreams, you know, people who are like, oh, I'm going to win the lottery and then I'm going to, you know, yada, yada, yada. Or like they might not necessarily be naturally talented to that thing, but they will strive. Right. You know, like once Jeopardy calls me back, 
I'm I'm gonna kill it. You know what I mean? Like it's you know right. um, that mentality and like you know because even after that she's like oh okay well, you know once I win a few more times then you know I'll take some acting lessons and I'll get on a soap opera and you know then you know we'll kind of spin that forward. So she's already kind of thinking bigger Big in picture. terms of like you know it's not even a question of if but when and not even a question of like is that am I going to be good at that you know it's just I will I will get that opportunity and then flip that because into I will the work next opportunity yeah yeah right because this was like one of her first big roles right like she had been in do the right thing um mm-hmm. but that wasn't like she wasn't that movie wasn't about her and she wasn't necessarily no. like you know the biggest part of the film um and so this is kind of her getting to some people she was yeah well, <laughs> <laughs> well she's she's getting a bigger bite at the apple here you know where yeah. she's she's probably the leading female in this movie you For know sure. like she gets the most screen time um but you know i mean again inside shout out to tyra farrell because she does a great job in her role too but she doesn't have as much to do as Rosie Perez. But yeah, I mean, just like that Rosie Perez relationship with Woody Harrelson was also kind of like an interesting film within a film. Cause that could have just been its own. Like you didn't even need Wesley Snipes, you know, in a sense of like that, the idea of that guy kind of just bouncing around from court to court, from state to state. Just going know. through his own thing. Yeah. I'm a, And then continuously kind of fucking up the money and like them having to reset each time um while she's trying to get her jeopardy dream off the ground is kind of almost like a cohen's brothers <laughs> yeah, no that's actually probably the best um the best comparison because it feels like such a tangential b plot you yeah. know it's not like even adjacent like she's not a cheerleader for the basketball team. She doesn't work for the basketball team at all. She doesn't really know anything never... about sports. Like she gets the sports questions in jeopardy. She's like I I don't know. I'm all, I'm shit all up. <laughs> and it's kind of refreshing to see because when we get to those parts of the movie, it feels like, oh, we're doing something different. It almost doesn't feel like the two will intersect. Yeah. Cause I, and I did know about that before, like, seeing the movie. So I knew that, like, she had been on Jeopardy in the movie. So I was like, oh, I guess these two plots just don't really intersect, but they do kind of tangentially. Yeah. It's just also nice to see, like, a woman with her own dreams and mm-hmm. they're completely separate from the person that she's with in the movie. I'm not trying to lo- lo- praise them in this movie or anything like that, but it is, it's <laughs> honestly, it's just refreshing to see. It's just refreshing to see like, you know, this, this female character who is pretty much in her own movie, uh, during this film and like doing her own thing and like making her own choices. And yeah, it doesn't end up with Woody Harrelson at the movie. Like I really, and it happens. Spoiler alert! Obviously, if you listen to this, <laughs> or spoiler alert, if it you know it hasn't. It's been thirty years, yeah. guys. Uh, but uh, she walks away from him at the end of the movie, and she really does walk away. Like yeah. it's over. So I, I feel like that's it's just nice to see. Yeah, well, it's interesting too because you, you contrast her with Tyra Farrell's character, who like is not allowed to work by Wesley Snipes. And like, there's a lot of nineties yeah. anachronisms in this film, which kind of feel like things oh, of the time yeah. kind of just oh, like, yeah. you know, a lot of, this is a very, this is layered with testosterone. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, for sure. It's dripping off the movie. And, uh, 
like even that i mean like i wonder too not to 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 skip ahead to reimagining but like even it's just a, a a examination of male relationships right because that's mm-hmm. kind of the 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 core relationship right is these two men and them they're bonding over the hustle you know they're bonding over basketball you know they seem to genuinely have a thing going on you know what i mean like i don't know if they're best friends i don't even think they're best friends at the end of the movie no. i mean i think they're good friends but yeah. they probably have separate best friends there's a kinship maybe not woody I don't yeah know. there's a kinship there's a there's a mutual kinship yeah for sure. you know like i think there's they definitely see each other in each other you know like yeah they see each other i'm not gonna say as equals but they see each other as like really close to each other right you know? and so like that's that is that could be a, a really interesting examination of just like male friendship and kind of how that um you know s- slight tangent right but c- Go sort of related i mean like that's one of the things i really liked about last black man in san francisco was that it was like yeah. a very genuine black male friendship and like examining even like the you know the corner boys who like were out there usually starting shit and like giving them shit you know but then when it's revealed it's like yeah we used to go to school together like i know you like we grew up together and like we just went different directions but like and then and then homeboy like sits in the sauna with them yeah you know what i mean and it's kind of just like a revealing just like a bonding experience between you know the three of them but like the way that that friendship was treated as like giving right you know what i mean like they they were Mm. giving each other love right but also like we're we're not like yo this is kind of dumb maybe you should just move out this house because this is gonna happen for you it's like right okay like this is a dream that's i don't know where this is gonna go you know i mean (laughs) ultimately spoiler for last black man in san francisco uh (laughs) you know the play at the end is kind of like maybe you should move on from this house (laughs) (laughs) but for a good while there though he is like yeah okay like you want to live in this house okay like what can i how can i help you with that what can we figure that out let's try to make that happen for you yeah you know and or at least like you have dreams and i respect those dreams yeah and i want to help you achieve those dreams you know what i mean and i feel like this movie isn't that but it is like you know two guys who are kind of like okay you know like they this relationship is maybe the healthiest <laughs> Wesley's relationship with, with with Tyra is healthy in ways, healthy, yes. but also not. and probably deemed healthy for the nineties, yeah, which is kind of weird, yeah. Because I mean, they're, yeah. they're very loving, you know what I mean, and they and they definitely have like a a true genuine relationship. Although mm-hmm. it is kind of just like, bruh, if you're trying to save up money to move out the hood, like. She should have a job that would help everybody. You could probably get out of the hood faster. You know, you weren't on the street hustling every night, and she was just like, "I'm sitting here with the baby." Yeah, because I mean, who we don't we don't know anything about her. You know, she might no. She literally like pops in when she has to complain. Yeah, she might have a master's degree and something like she could be going to do something. I would have liked to know that. I would have seen that, figured that out. She could have, uh, you know, like just a step away from like a six figure job, you know, if you would just not hold her down. Uh, but Shit, maybe she got dreams too. Maybe she want to be on wheel of fortune. Uh, yeah. You know, or what's, what is, 
it's different now because of Steve Harvey. But what would you say at the time? What was the blackest game show? Oh, in the nineties. Yeah. Okay, I feel like uh, <laughs> it. It's not the nineties. It's like early two thousands. But like Hollywood Squares. Yeah. I feel like there were mad black people in Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's also like the contestants wise, even. Right. 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 Yeah, I wonder because like black people. Black people like Jeopardy. Everybody likes Jeopardy. I mean, I think Jeopardy is kind of the ubiquitous universal game show that everybody's like. I watched Jeopardy as a kid. You know, like it's right. It's it's kind of hard to find somebody who was like, I've never seen Jeopardy. (laughs) I hate it. Um, But well, I mean, maybe you find some people who hate Jeopardy. I mean, all right. There's there's, there's some Riley Freemans out there in the world. All right, whatever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, even just thinking about '90s game shows like. Because let's make a was let's make a deal on in the nineties. Uh no. Family Feud was on. I mean, Family, Family Feud, Feud was, was on, but it was different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It wasn't like it is. Obviously, very black now with Steve Harvey, but like, oh, you know what the blackest game show is, and it's not necessarily because the host was black because <laughs> they weren't. And it's not necessarily because a lot of the contestants were black, which they sort of were. But every black person knows about the Price is Right. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's if, the black. You, you've definitely had. If you're a black person, you've definitely had conversations where you're like, "All right, Price is Right rules." Yeah. You start the conversation. Price is Right rules over under. Yeah. Right. What's no, the price yeah. of this? Yeah. Well, because it's also like black people are just like that shit don't cost that much, or like I know <clears> exactly <throat> how much that. <laughs> Clorox two nineteen. <laughs> We ain't even guessing. The worst part is like we ain't even guessing. We telling niggas on TV. It's two nineteen. It's two nineteen. It's a nineteen. It's when we get to the cars that we get a little confused. <laughs> or the or the trips to Cabo. We're like, I, yep. When we, when we get to the showcase showdown, we like, damn. Every black person gets to the showcase showdown. Like, fuck. I did great so far. What's this? A trip to this is a trip to Hawaii. Yeah. Plus, also, when you get to spin the wheel, you get to shout people out. It is the blackest one. Yeah. Oh my! Oh my god! <laughs> just, just like spinning the wheel, but also looking at the audience yeah. to like see if they can help. It's spinning the wheel, man. It's the chance, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> they can't help you. Yeah. Well, yeah. So maybe she 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 could have gone on the Price is Right, and uh... that's just a, a, any black person, no skill, literally. Yeah. The skill of like shopping yes. for your livelihood yes. <laughs> has prepared you for prices right. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I I wonder, you know, in terms of of all of those relationships, because that's the thing. I mean, like the women do kind of get put to the margins. Rosie Perez gets the most because she is yes the most pivotal to the plot, um, but yeah, it really is built on that relationship between. You know, Billy and Sydney, and kind of. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, there is a part of it where it's like, can they coexist? And you know, they obviously figure that out, but there is they go through some hardships. For yeah, sure. um, but it does kind of feel like he's more or less part of the the crew, even though he does get hustled. But like, that's you know, all in the game, right? You know, uh, <laughs> I'll go to the game. Well, let's let's. Not be remiss to to not drop this for sure for Wesley because Wesley is like this is I mean 
it happens a lot with a lot of the movies that we watch where you know you see a black person in these roles um and you're just kind of like damn you know what i mean like yeah why didn't we do more with that person like why didn't we why didn't that person get bigger roles bigger opportunities and wesley got you know specific, he got those roles he got those roles you know because i mean he was coming up at a time again with stallone and john claude van damme and you know demolition man yeah all these, yeah all these other like he was he was the action man for a while and then he got blade you know near the end of the 90s and like that was yeah. the whole vibe um but but then he also didn't get to blossom for reasons we are hmm. all aware of <laughs> <laughs> but i think part of this too is like but he's like a good actor you know, and I think people lose sight of that sometimes because he did so many action roles, and he did a I'll lot. I would say that this is like this isn't the iconic performance. I'm going to say that New Jack City is sure. the iconic Wesley performance, but this is second. Yeah, this is, this is number two. He's very. I mean, he's not just believable, you know, in the role, but like you see him kind of go through again multiple emotions throughout the movie, and you mm, can kind of mm. really feel a tangible nature to his his struggles and his desire and he like feels for his family yeah he works really hard at this game he respects the hustle he respects the game right you, you you see all those levels and you you obviously too can like think about okay well what if so and so and we'll talk a little bit about the other people who are potentially going to be cast for this movie but like mm. i think um it's gonna be this remake is going to be tough you know, because I think both both of them were really great in the roles, but I think Wesley is kind of like, you know, I don't I don't know anything about Jack Harlow. You know, like I've listened to s- songs that he's been on, but you know, I yeah, mean, I don't think I've ever listened to a Jack Harlow song, and yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a thing I do. <laughs> I tried to a few days ago. Uh, in the his new record dropped recently. His new record came out, and people were talking, and I was just like, "I." <laughs> There's a lot of people. This is, you know, I'm 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 reaching washed age, where I'm just like, "Who are these kids? Who are these people <laughs> that everybody's talking about?" And so I was like, "I, you know, I honestly don't know anything about him. I don't even think I heard. Is it what's popping? Is that's that's his song? That's his like okay. his song, yeah. So I think I was like, "Well, let me listen to that, and then let me listen to." Some of this other stuff, because that was the thing. Somebody was telling me that he got like one of the worst Pitchfork reviews in recent memory, and I was like, "Well, let me read this." <laughs> well, I have this. not read the Pitchfork review. I think I've he got seen... like a two point something. Golly, uh, I know Fantano trashed him. Yeah, I do know. The, my only context to him recently is the Hot ninety seven video where he went on uh, Hot ninety seven's show. Yeah, and. They asked him if they knew who Ray J was related to. Right. Well, yeah, they were they played, played a brandy no song. They played a brandy. They played they played a brandy song. Yes. Yeah. And they were saying that uh, who is who is brandy related to, and he's just like at a loss completely. Well, no, they asked it. They asked it the reverse. They were like this. They're related to Ray J because I think they were trying to like they were oh, playing yes, a game yes, yes. of just like name this song, name this artist. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So he didn't know who Brandy was. Yeah. Which is just unfortunate. That's a, that's, well, that's, that's another caucasity level that we'll, 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 we'll save that for later. We'll put that off to the side. But, yeah. But, you know, like, I, 
sure. Maybe he's got acting ability. I don't I'm know. sure he's got a charisma. I mean, oh. he's got a charisma more than those like hand claps from Lil Nas's X song. Yeah. But Wesley's going to be, his part is going to be played by uh, Sinqua Walls, who I am not familiar with. Yeah, uh, I am unfamiliar with that person. But like, good luck, brother. <laughs> good luck doing that. I don't know how that's going to go for you because like, I think what Wesley does in this movie is uh, it's such a commanding performance. Like every time he's on screen, he is not chewing the scenery as much as just like, you just can't not watch him. You know what I mean? Like he's magnetic in a way that few actors get to be. Honestly. Yeah. So I think that's the thing It's like, you know, I, Few can only really hope to like do that in a film, and like, but he does that constantly, like in a lot of the movies. Even like, you know, Demolition Man is not his movie, but every time he's on screen, you're just like, oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> I actually only remember Demolition Man because of him. Yeah, I remember. Uh, what's the other movie that he did around that time? Um, he did Murder at sixteen hundred, but I don't remember when that came out. Yeah, Murder sixteen hundred. There's uh, there's a movie where he jumps out of a plane. I forget what that's called too. It's like a, like a is that air traffic controller or like a like a plane cop or something. There's Money Train. Oh yeah, yeah. There's also uh, a movie that I saw but don't remember that I saw. Uh, Rising Sun, starring yeah. your boy. Yeah, <laughs> Sean Connery. Uh, <laughs> you know, like. These movies I actually remember. Drop Zone is the... He jumped out of a plane. Yeah. Uh, but these movies I remember because of Wesley Snipes. I mean, right. Tu Wong Fu. I oh, remember yeah. because of Wesley Snipes. Well, that's... A th- I mean, he's got he's got range, right? So, like, this is a, this is a comedy, right? This yeah. is largely built as a comedy. He's very funny. He's very charismatic. He's very charming. Um, but, you know, he's also shown that he can do drama, right? He's also... Sh- I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. he can do the action. His um, turn in Down in the Delta is actually, like, wildly subdued and, yeah. like, really heartfelt. Yeah. And it's, like, it, it comes out of nowhere because you know him for such these these such big performances. Right. And then you see him in Down in the Delta and he's, like, just Fred who lives down the block, you know, or, like, not Fred, but, you know, like, <laughs> a, a guy who's just, like, you know, got a heart and, you know, uh, loves his family. Yeah. Well, I think, too, I mean, you could, you could go a little bit further with this and a little bit of the behind the scenes is that they wanted sure. they wanted Denzel right he was the original choice for why make him jump yeah he was the original choice for the role but apparently he couldn't hoop worth shit and they were just like yeah, that... we can't we can't make this movie work if he can't play basketball so <laughs> no shade Denzel it's just like I, I never had him for much of a hooper honestly yeah <laughs> I'm gonna be honest I'm gonna be honest I mean I'm gonna be honest so you know, I think that when you look at their careers, though, like, it's not to say that Wesley can do everything that Denzel can do, right? Because Denzel is a singular kind of talent. But, like, I think Wesley, if given some of the roles that Denzel had, right? Like, oh, not, for sure. Not Malcolm X, maybe. You know, like, there's certain roles that, like, you can't see anybody but Denzel in. But Wesley could have done Training Day. Like, Wesley could have sure. done American Gangster. Like, Wesley could have done. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like a, a number of other roles that Denzel has gotten. And again, not to say that, you know, get Denzel out the paint, but more so that the there's oftentimes that breakdown, right? Of like, well, we got Denzel. And so we don't right. need another. You know, we don't we don't need He's a good foil. He's a good foil for Denzel. Yeah. Especially in Mo Better Blues, mm-hmm. where he is directly his foil. Right. You know, he's the uh he's the other sax player in the band. Is, is he also plays sax in the band, right? Or he plays trumpet. I think he plays sax and Denzel plays trumpet. Yeah, Denzel plays trumpet, that's right. Denzel plays trumpet and uh Wesley plays sax in that movie. But he they're always arguing, they're always going toe to toe, and it's honestly like those are some of the best parts in the movie. Honestly, what the uh there's a great skit on um the roots, things fall apart. Mm-hmm. That is basically their conversation about like their um let me make sure I get this right. Um what's that conversation? That's the conversation where it's uh I think it's about adjacent like how adjacent they are to whiteness. Oh yeah. And that's the skit that plays on Things Fall Apart, but yeah. that's the conversation that they have in uh Mo Better Blues and it's like that's where you see him being like that '90s foil right. to Denzel directly, and it's that's how I mean. I, honestly, I feel like that's how America saw him. Yeah, well, and that's the thing though. Like, it's 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 nobody's fault in terms of like you know those two actors, but more so the fault that there's not roles that either a are written for you know black men to kind of have that range to either play, you know, a more dramatic role or a more complicated role uh, or space within a film for there to be more than one black guy Mm. doing Mm. more than one thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like to have multiple uh, complicated black characters in a movie. And so I think, you know, for, for Wesley, he's kind of like carved out his own lane very much. So, but I think in terms of, seeing him I even today you know he's not done he's still out here acting and, and doing things but i would like to see i him. need him to keep going i need him to keep going. yeah i would love to see him get opportunities to do more you know what i mean like put him in he's he could still do the martial arts you know what i mean like if they want to put him in in the blade movie uh you know with with mahershala and like they can be yeah. you know not opposite each other but even like, like a of, mentor yeah yeah you know a like, mentor character he could definitely still do that, but I would also like to see him exist. Even yeah, like his brief cameo on what we do in the shadows is hilarious. Like he's he's got so many different things that he can do that I feel like I would like to see him a more, but b doing a variety of things. Let him do some comedy. Let him do some mm-hmm. action. Let him do some drama. Um, he's pretty good, and Dolomite is my name. Yeah, you know, like he's you he's know. got he's got he's got it. You know, what I mean, he's one of the few actors I can think of who, like, you can throw him in any movie and it's it's just better because he's in it. Um, so uh, I think before we unless you've got anything else before we move into the research. The basketball in this movie is good. Like, I mean, we should the not... basketball is good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, compared to other movies we've watched, the air up there, uh, <laughs> finding Forrester. <laughs> uh you know like the the basketball is is not even just like filmed well but like the way that it looks like they had professional 
basketball players, you know, streetball players and and actors and, playing basketball and actors. Right. And like Wesley and uh, Woody, like did did a lot of training like mm-hmm. Woody. I, I don't I forget what he I guess he played high school. You know, like he was a he was a high school basketball player. Okay. Uh, Wesley was not much of a basketball player, but apparently more than Denzel and even more than that, like the way that they described him was like just extremely athletic, right? Like there was enough raw material there that they were like, we can make this look good in the time frame that we have him. You know, he just has to be yeah. able to dribble convincingly and like the jump shot has to look, you know, better than like Sean Marion's or something, you know what I mean? And then like we can put him in the game and it'll be fine. People will believe yeah. that he can actually play basketball. Um, uh-huh. And so, you know, the way that they filmed a lot of it was like, just let them play, you know, like a real game and we'll just like film it, um, you know, in different speeds so we can get some of the slow motion stuff and then we'll get some like of a the lot of, a lot of steady stuff. cam out yeah. there with them. Um, and then There's a like, lot of, Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. no, I was just going to say, and then there was, like, obviously very choreographed, like, we need to see you do this move that leads to, the, like, the end sequence with the alley-oop. It's like, that's, we got to sure. block that out so that we get the exact shot and look of it. Um, There's also the, uh, their one-on-one at early in the movie where yeah. they see who can shoot the longest right. without missing, and they make those shots in the wides. Yeah, which is like that's that's the stuff that's like it's so simple, but it's really like that's what connects you. Right, it's like just watching him make jumpers is just like oh he's doing that, he's yeah. making free throws, he's killing it. Well, and like you know, in the air up there, there's very obviously like that's not Kevin Bacon. You know what I mean? There's very Woof. there's some shots where you're like that's he's not doing any of that. You know what I mean? So like. Um, everything they do, they, that was them. They were playing, there wasn't stunt doubles or people who came in to play basketball for them. Like they were doing that. Um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you like this as a person who has starred in a movie (laughs) where they had to play basketball and look like they were a quote unquote star basketball player on the team. It ain't easy. No. I was Denzel in this situation. (laughs) If I ever uh, compare myself to Denzel in any faction, it is. I wasn't the one. I I made. I'm in this movie where I have to make a jumper over a guy who's actually more talented than me. (laughs) And your boy makes the weakest hook shot (laughs) in this on camera. My dude, it took what I, I'm, I'm gonna put myself on blast because this is just the reality of the situation. We we went, I think it was 14 takes before I made one on camera. Okay, it ain't easy. And they were just like, "Cut, we got it. That's we got it. We got it. Let's go on to the next. One. We ain't got. We ain't got all. We're burning daylight." Well, apparently that was kind of the the thing in this movie though. Like you you talk about those wide shots and like that was a lot of takes. You know, to get yeah. that. You know. To make it look real, obviously we only need to see it one time, but and know, they make it look effortless. Yeah, but the way that they filmed it, there was a lot of just, come on, guys, can we get one? You got it. We're doing this in a specific way. We need you to make these shots back to back, you know. And so there was uh, apparently like Wesley just wasn't a good shooter. Like Woody Harrelson was the better shooter, so like you know more 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 often than not, he would make the shot and then Wesley would miss it, and they would have to like you know um 
because they're doing it in one take you know so it's not like we can we can cut that together with two made shots it was like we're showing you this because we like you're saying we want to create the illusion bring you in that oh no like they're really good then you should you should buy everything that you're seeing on screen (laughs) but that's the endearing that's one of the endearing parts about the movie is that they're really making these shots you know in these takes that you get to see but like you know that's what draws you in honestly and Mm -hmm. and keeps you uh uh believing this whole story yeah and i did like the uh the two-on-two basketball tournament I just, thought that scene was great. Judged by just random white business owners who are just like, man, these niggers are. Uh, <laughs> 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 we got to get out of here. This is a mistake. I got to start a basketball team. Yeah. And there's also just some genuinely funny moments in the movie, like where uh, the guy, at I guess the first time they try to run the hustle, uh, the guy like doesn't have the money, so he goes to rob a convenience store, <laughs> but. The store owner's like, get that shit out of my face. Get that out of here. And he ends up selling the gun to him to get he the money. He sold the to... gun to him to get the money. Yeah. <laughs> but then apparently he just has another gun in the car. Um, so... Which he wants to shoot up the neighborhood yeah. with. Um, I I did laugh at that. I know I wasn't supposed to laugh at that, <laughs> but I did laugh at that. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of, like, actually, like, funny, you know, there's a lot of your mama jokes, which is a very, again, very 90s uh situation but like your boy kadeem hardison yeah doing the work (laughs) yep yep um and yeah overall like it is probably longer than it needs to be but it doesn't drag in the way that a lot of these other movies do we're just like oh "Oh, how much time is left (laughs) an hour not at all okay (laughs) Uh, trust me this this podcast has had me looking at my watch more often than not well let's let's get into the behind the scenes of this movie yeah let's do it and uh for anybody interested i'll put this on the twitter but like grantland which i don't believe is a thing anymore i don't it's not grantland is technically the ringer now yeah i don't follow bill summons in the way that I think a lot of people do like I sure am aware of him and sometimes I'll listen to things that he says but like I'm for a those decent reader of the ringer yeah Bill Simmons is his own he's like the white Stephen A. Smith right like he's his own like wow that's accurate it's accurate <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not I'm never gonna argue that he but he's he's his own media conglomerate to himself right like for he's sure. cr- he's created this whole situation that is like bill simmons that's the selling point you know what i mean so like he originally had espn giving him all this money and he had this website and production company called grantland uh and they would do a lot of stuff like this where they would give you these retrospectives and so they have you can still read it it's still up um this is where i got a lot of my info from it's just a it's an oral history of white man can't jump with basically all the everybody you know what i mean all the people you want to talk to um so, I mean, one of the things that they talk about here is that Ron Shelton, I don't know if you can call him a hooper, but he hooped. He played basketball. Um, like, for those who don't know, Bull Durham, it is the story of, like, a minor league baseball player uh, making his way up. And, like, that was semi-autobiographical, and that Ron Shelton was a minor league baseball player who had more or less the same story as that movie. Um, but he also just would play basketball a lot and like would play basketball around California, Venice beach, um, you know, on the streets around, you know, the Hollywood areas. 
and so the story goes that he uh would play at this this outdoor park and one day he came and the park was like chained off and he was asking somebody what happened and like they were like oh well you know old boy went to the car he went to the glove compartment and he was like i don't know what that means and he was like he went to the car and got a gun and like shot people <laughs> uh and ron shelter was like i can't play here anymore <laughs> so he i have to leave <laughs> it's not the place for me <laughs> so he started to play indoors at this um like ymca like the i guess there's a there's a hollywood ymca um and so like just his experience is like playing with a lot of different people and being around a lot of different people like he started to get this idea you know basically about this this white guy and him hustling you know people and like there's another black character and all this stuff so he writes like the first 37 pages he sends it off to fox the head of fox is like this is a movie we love it make this movie and so he starts to start you know piecing it together but like we were saying things were kind of not as we see it here right uh and so originally the cast people that were thrown around um like we said denzel that's who fox Mm -hmm. wanted to be in it for the billy character keanu reeves was the initial person they were going to cast but like i i see that i mean Point Break is like the year before this. Yeah, but also and he's surfing. Also, can't hoop worth shit, and like probably was <laughs> like people are like he was wild. Like he was just he was just all he knew was like go a thousand percent, and so he's oh. just out here like running running people over. You know what I mean? Like just high energy. Okay. Uh, and uh, Woody Harrelson says like yeah, if if Keanu Reeves had even touched the basketball in his life before this point, like he probably would have got the role over me, but, um, you know, cause he was who they were looking for, but you know, right, because right, he just right. had zero basketball ability. It wouldn't they had be to... the same movie though. It wouldn't have been the same movie. It wouldn't have been. Yeah. I mean, this is reverse, uh, matrix where it's just like, I can't imagine what would happen if Reeves <laughs> had gotten this. Um, other people, uh, Charlie Sheen was, was up for the role. And um, John Cusack was also up for the role, Boo. but it, no shade, John Cusack. <laughs> it ultimately, ultimately went to um, Woody Harrelson, and again, like Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes had been in Wildcats together, mm-hmm. so they kind of had a history and and knew each other. And like once That's they saw them, cool. yeah, once they saw them on screen together, they're like, oh, this is this is the movie. This is the central you know, part of the film, this relationship and the chemistry that they have. Um, It is interesting when you think about Rosie Perez, because she says that not only was she not, you know, even like in the, in the initial list of people they wanted to cast, but her part was originally written for a white woman. Um, And so like she comes in to audition and like, she, I mean, she was asked to audition, but like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, a thing where it was like, yeah, like you're, you're going to be in there. So there was other kind of A-list actresses of the time who were there and like, they see her come in and they're like, you know, friendly with her, like some people that she knew. And they're like, Oh, are you, are you going to read for, you know, Wesley Snipes wife? Like, is that what you're here to do? And she was like, no, (laughs) 
we're going for the same part. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that, but she says that kind of like put her into another gear. You know what I mean? Like right. she was like, oh, like this. They don't think this is for me. You know what I mean? This is kind of a situation where people don't believe that I could play that part or that part could be played by, you know, a Latina woman. Uh, so obviously she, mm-hmm. she wins the role and then, you know, everything kind of changes around it. Um, mm-hmm. But then on the other side, Tyra Farrell, um, you know, it was like, I knew Holly Berry was up for this. I knew Angela Bassett was up for this and some other women. And so what she says is that she auditioned, um, felt good about it, but was also explicit on her way out, you know, and speaking to Ron Shelton that she was adamant that they cast a darker skinned woman for that mm. role because oftentimes as she observed you know you get a wesley stipes or you know like a darker skinned man but then they always have yeah. a lighter love interest right whether it's if it's not a white oh woman God. you know it is yeah. like a, a more light-skinned woman um and so she kind of urged them and kind of said hey you know like if you're not going to cast me that's fine but like make sure that you you cast a darker skinned woman because that's important to see you know just on screen like a, a a love relationship between two people of that complexion right and so shout out to them for actually following through on that yeah i mean she gets the role um shelton says that she he doesn't remember having that conversation with her at all but of course he didn't, <laughs> of course he didn't. I, oh my gosh i just don't remember that day anymore yeah um another interesting thing is that um you know, just in the conversations that we were having about the jokes and kind of that back and forth and all the your mama jokes and all that. Um, again, like that was like, we're, we're going, you know, we're, we're going in, we're doing all this stuff. Uh, Kadeem Hardison is like, this is my element. This is what I live for, you know? So like, he's right, right, all these right. jokes. Um, but again, Tara Farrell says that like, she was like, okay, I'm seeing these things, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching them kind of go back and forth. Uh, and I'm like, Hey, you know, like, do we need some of these other jokes, which are more like colorist or like, you know, mm-hmm. jokes about, you know, big lips or big noses or all that stuff. And, Little hanging fruit. you know, they think about it and like, they're like, yeah, okay. You know, like we could take all that stuff out. You know, we don't need to have that in the movie and so you know shout, i mean shout out to her for making those two stands on set and kind of putting right. that stuff up and then you know them listening to her actually, taking that into yeah, consideration them actually listening yeah because i mean i feel like that's the thing that happens a lot is like we get these opportunities in these movies and the studio says one thing but you know black people usually nine times out of ten know better <laughs> that what we need to see you know yeah aspirationally in these movies and you know these studios ain't listening to nobody yeah counting dollars right so (laughs) good good on them for actually like following through in this movie and it shows it's like it's it's a unique experience for that yeah um i'm not going to go through the rest of the article i mean you can definitely read it and there's a lot of good stuff in there a lot of good stories a lot of interesting behind the scenes tidbits um Love a good oral history, though. Yeah. The only other thing I will say is there's another interview from Ron Shelton for Filmmaker Magazine. Um, 
and it's kind of, it's it's a look back you know it's the 25th anniversary of the movie um when he does this and one of the questions he's asked is let's talk politics white man can't jump was released what a month before the Roddy king riots right and Shelton says, you know, I came from a conservative working class family, but this was back when conservative Republicans could still march for civil rights and weren't looking to go to war every five minutes. I moved a little left of center. I'd call myself a liberal centrist, although I guess now I'm a liberal coastal elite. I should make a T-shirt that says that, yada, yada. Um, but being colorblind was a huge thing for me growing up. There are times I thought I was the white kid on the playground. I don't believe my folks had an ounce of racism in their system, even though I grew up not in the hood. Because of sports, I was with minorities more than a lot of kids, and I think white men carries a lot uh, carries a cry for racial acceptance, despite being a comedy. These two guys get along with each other better than when better than with their women. That's sort of the perverse joke that a very disparate black and white male have more in common than any man with any woman. Um, at the same time, hopefully the movie treats the woman well. Rosie's got a career in what he doesn't. In the end, um, so bit of a word salad there but, yeah uh, but i i feel like it's a little pat myself on the back like you know i used to hang with black people and i knew pretty good my yeah. family never said the n-word in my house you know like okay great that's bare minimum it's well for the course yeah i mean it's also a lot of that revisionist history of like my parents weren't racist or like my yeah <laughs> my and family you don't know was, that yeah my family wasn't uh you know, prejudiced against people or anything like that. And it's like, well, you were five. So, (laughs) you know, sure. I mean, maybe it seemed that way to you as a child, but like, you don't know what your parents were doing at work or another. A hundred percent. You have no idea. (laughs) But even then, yeah. I mean, like the, the idea we've learned more and more and more and white people are, I guess, getting on board with being colorblind is not, a good thing or a thing to aspire to, but more so just another, you know, hurdle and roadblock and, and people of color's way where you can kind of say, I don't see color. Why are you so upset? And it's like, <laughs> look around, dude, like <laughs> shit that I have to deal with because I am, you know, black, uh, you know, South Asian, you know, whatever, uh, insert, as opposed insert to brownness here. Yeah. You know, you who like is just skipping through life because these things never come up. Um, and so, I mean, there is a small element of that in the film where it's not necessarily colorblind kumbaya, but more so, you know, you can kind of see, sure, like this is like white people and black people getting along. Wow. What a novel idea. And it's like, yeah, we've seen many a movie that, uh, kind of tries to posit the same thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, those are, those are the major behind the scenes points. Um, I think that as a movie and as a cultural thing, like it not only has endured, you know, and we can, we can talk a little bit, I guess, transition partially into talking about the remake and reimagining because this is not the thesis of the podcast where like it very much is, we're just going to make the same movie again, (laughs) seems to be the vibe. Um, (sighs) But it is going to be made by, a black you know crew so it's going to be calmatic who did the um old town road video and a bunch Who's of directing it yeah um uh, directed okay. a bunch of other music videos is the director for the upcoming house party remake it's not a reboot i don't believe i think it's just they're doing it again you they're know doing it again yeah, yeah. so 
I don't even understand how that works because the movie was kid and play. Uh, so I don't know right. if they're going to be kid and play or just two very different characters. Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. Also, fun fact, I don't know if you knew this, but I did hear this recently that originally that movie was going to be Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff. Um, but because of the, the original house party, original house party, but because of the nightmare on Elm street song that they made that they didn't clear with new line cinema, they were kind of persona non grata. Uh, and so they had to pivot into, uh, <laughs> kind of play. Okay. Okay. I know this is far off topic, but <laughs> it's a little sliding doors, right? Because like that would have been, I mean, house party is already like a classic. Yeah. It's already like cemented itself in the culture. Right. Yeah. But imagine if that's Will and Jeff. It's not quite the same though. It's not quite the same. I feel like it's not that energy that they brought to it. Yeah. It's not that like clip, that quick clip comic energy that they had. Yeah. But it's probably still a success. It's just oh. a different success. Yeah, it's still good. It's still enjoyable. Right. I think you could. It's it's more or less the same movie, except again, you don't get the rap battle. Right, you don't get the rap battle. I don't think but you're gonna you, get. You get Jazzy Jeff like scratching dope records for Will, but then you don't get Martin Lawrence. Because I'm would... sure, I'm sure you get Martin Lawrence, but he would, sure. but he wouldn't be the DJ because Jazzy Jeff would. Be oh, the that's DJ. right. Oh, that's yeah. Well, he's the DJ. I'm sure that. Come on, bro. Like, yeah, Martin was in every movie in the night. I know, even but... in Do the Right Thing. Like yeah. somehow <laughs> Martin Lawrence is in Do the Right Thing. It's a thing I keep forgetting every time yeah. I watch that movie. You know what I mean? Like he's literally. In all those movies, they would have found a way to yeah to probably squeeze them in, but um uh, yeah for sure yeah so that, I mean that's just another just a it's a black tidbit for you today to take take with you yeah uh, <laughs> I like that though that's kind of interesting I I still would have seen that movie yeah though. oh for sure and oh yeah uh Kenya Kenya Barris is the writer of this new film I have no nothing i you know i haven't seen um blackish and i know that's i do sort of watch blackish but i've yeah. probably only seen like i feel like blackish is for white people and it's not <laughs> for me as much hey i shout out to everyone in the cast i think everyone in the cast is hella talented yeah they they murked that show and the episodes that i did watch i did enjoy but i feel like blackish is like Hey, white people, did you know black people do stuff like this? Yeah. Like, every episode is like, did you know Kwanzaa existed? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so that's why I'm like, I, you know, Kenya Barris is somebody who is is kind of take it or leave it for a lot of people. If, yeah. if you like what he does, people yes. really enjoy it. If you don't like what he does, you probably are feeling a certain way about this. Um, and I don't know how this works i don't really understand what it's gonna be i have a fear that we're that we're trending into bel-air territory where they're like well we gotta make it about x y and z and like you know and then the cops come and somebody gets shot on the basketball court and like then we can talk about you know yada 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 and it's like i don't know i don't know if i need that in this movie i don't know if i need big racial reckonings and you know there's probably some interesting things that you could do with the characters in the story, but I think why it works is it is more or less, even with all the complicated, messy relationships, a breezy nineties mm-hmm. sports film, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just like they're playing basketball. They're 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 roasting each other. You know, Rosie Perez and and Woody Harrelson have sex like two or three times. Uh, you know, like it's not really like I like that you just can't let that slide. It's like damn, it was just because it just kept happening. It wasn't like it I, really did just keep happening. <laughs> like I, normally, I like, you get one sex scene in a movie between characters, but they had sex at least three times. Uh, yeah, so I was just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening. <laughs> I'll say it like this about the Kenya Barris of it all. Whatever feelings you probably have about the Coming to America sequel, you might take those feelings directly into this reboot. Hmm. And whether they're good or bad, I feel like you'll probably have those same feelings about this. Yeah. Because I feel like he's got a brand now and he's just like protecting the brand and that's fine. Well, it's it's tough again because because there's also the Shaft reboot, like and yeah. those feelings he did that, that you have about the Shaft. Yes, he okay. did. <laughs> and if, you, if and if he he wrote it, he wrote it. All right. Well, so like whatever you feel about that, I mean, but also like there's like Girl Strip. Yeah, you know, I kind of love Girl Strip. I thought Girl Strip was hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, and you know. Um, I thought Little was nice. I like Little, yeah. So, yeah, and I thought there's parts about Blackish that I enjoy. I'm glad he made Astronomy Club happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm not bad at the brother. And I, and I want him to keep making art because he's essential to black art right now. Yeah. But also, you know, we got feelings. Right. We got feelings. Well, I think, I think the issue with this kind of movie in... 2023 i guess when this is probably Mm -hmm. coming out Mm -hmm. um i mean one this is a cult classic and not even really a cult classic this is just a class this is a classic classic sports film the the wikipedia page says stanley kubrick names it as one of his like favorite films which is just i want to see that list yeah (laughs) i'd I'd give i'd give a digit i'd give a digit to see that list (laughs) but you know, like, there's just some things that are unavoidable, right? That mm. you kind of have to confront and talk about in today's climate. And, like, I don't know if this is the movie to do that with. You know? Like, I feel like you could just leave this alone and do something else if you want to do that. So, if you're going to do it, I don't really know if there's a way I can reimagine this. One, without Woody Harrelson, I feel like he's kind of... You know, that's the movie. I mean, you could reverse the POV so that it's more mm. from Wesley's point of view. Um, mm-hmm. And you're you're getting a little bit more of Sydney's life, a little bit more of, uh, you know, his wife's uh, life and, and outlook and more about their family. They have a son that you see maybe twice, twice. <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. Um, and so that, I mean, that could have been cool or maybe giving a little bit more definition to their relationship. Again, like I said, maybe they used to play, I because you get the sense that they are the same age. They don't really yeah, sure, sure. talk about it, but I am assuming that if there is an age difference, it's not large. Right. Um, so, you know, it could kind of be like, you know, they were maybe on the same high school basketball team. Wesley, some, you know, some old bullshit happened, you know, similar to like what happened to Randy Moss, where like, 
Randy Moss almost went to jail instead of going to college. Uh, You know, something kind of fucks up his career. And so, like, you know, Woody's Woody's character gets to go not to the NBA or maybe he has a cup of coffee in the NBA, but he's like back, you know, around the neighborhood. And Mm. uh, Wesley never, never got to get out, you know, and you're you're kind of exploring their relationship now X amount of years later where. You know, they're kind of playing against each other and then they're teaming up to, you know, win a tournament or whatever. But like, but they're also like older now. So, yeah, they're not going to be balling like that. Right. You know, but it is like, I th- I think this movie is fine the way it is, more or less. Like, there's things that I would like to fine tune or maybe sure. key in on more. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, again, it's it's a product of the 90s. So, like. 90s anachronisms and things in there that you're just kind of like oh yeah we did used to do that Uh, (laughs) we used to talk like that yeah you know but like that's that's it more or less i don't i don't i don't understand it you know i like unless this is because this is 20th century fox and they don't have a streaming service I guess their streaming service is Disney, Disney Plus. Plus. <laughs> and they ain't going to uh, let them sex scenes fly. Yeah, this ain't going to be on Disney Plus. So. This ain't on Disney um, Plus. Could, would you reimagine this in some way? Or do you feel like that's unnecessary? Well, first of all, I want more sex scenes. Um, <laughs> that's just me personally. Uh, <laughs> no, I... I kind of feel the same way. Where this is like lightning in a bottle. Yeah, very much so a specific uh, time capsule, you know, of a moment and say what you will about that moment. But uh, we enjoyed a lot of it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like. I feel like along with the basketball part of it, that feels so specific to that time, the race, the racial like dynamic is also like such a part of that time. Right, because like if you're involving Jack Harlow in this new reboot, then you're you're saying something about mm. how you want to talk about whiteness, yeah, on the basketball court and its adjacentness to blackness. Um, yeah, I don't know if I want that per se because at the end of the day, and I mean we're gonna get to this in a bit, but I kind of enjoyed this movie, yeah, and I think. I don't think there's a way you can improve upon. I'm not saying this movie's perfect or it's an A plus, and that's why I enjoyed it. Yeah, but I will say, like, this is perfectly fine, and we don't need to do it. And that's also like a larger commentary on reboots today. We yeah. don't need to. We don't need to do them. I mean, we don't yeah, need to do them. You know, I. No offense to anybody involved, but I also hey, don't no know shade. if if we need a house party reboot, like. Because they've Don't also, strangely, wasn't there a house party not that long ago? Like, within the 2010s? Five, five yeah. Yeah. Wait, let me make sure. Like, and it, but yeah, it was like five. It was like a sequel. So it was like after the fact. Because I remember, I don't know if they made one. It seemed like the last one they made. Because that was house, house party reboot. Oh, wait. No, no, no. That's uh, that's not that. That's yeah, because wasn't else. wasn't House Party four immature? Because I think three was like them passing the mantle off to them, and then four was immature, doing House Party, and then that was it. And that was like 
90 something. I forget when that came yeah. out. Yeah, you're right. And that felt like a direct-to-video kind of situation. D- yep, direct-to-video. It is immature. Yeah. Oof, that movie. Yeah, <laughs> 2001. Oh, well, that's way past the expiration date of immature. Yeah. <laughs> they were probably there at IMX by that point. That was... Uh... <laughs> it's literally starting... Well, Megan Good's in it. Okay. It's literally starring like every person that had a, had a UPN show. No, oh, okay. I mean, you got uh, uh, Professor Ogilvy from the Parkers. You got Kim Fields' uh, little sister. You got Kim Whitley. Yeah. You got you got Immature. Yeah. Megan Good out here. Yeah. Did you watch a UPN show? Then yeah. you've seen the cast of House Party Four. Well, because then House Party, so it's it's called House Party Tonight's the Night, and that came out in two thousand thirteen. Um. Oh, that's the oh, that's the new one. Yeah, and Kid and Play were in it, but it was like a new version of it. Um, but I mean, it feel, I mean, all of this feels like Space Jam, right? Do we need Space Jam? A I new guess. legacy? No, unnecessary. Mm, no. But like, I mean, I guess hopefully somebody enjoyed it. But it does feel like there's a lot of content these days that are just like. A, do you remember X, Y, and Z? But B, like, you know, a new generation needs to have their own. It's like, no. This new generation don't give a damn about House Party or White Man Can't Jump. They're too busy on their phones. Right. Well, but even more so, like, if they if you want to give them their own, like, then make a new thing can, for them. That they'll love. Right. <laughs> you know, Jeez. like, if you're going to make a, a, a something in the spirit of House Party... Sure, go for it. I mean, like, people could say, oh, that's kind of like House Party. It's fine. That's fine. You know, but like, so much of the stuff I feel like is them saying the name carries weight. And so if we call it House Party, more people are likely to see more it. People are going to see it, yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm never, well, I'm not going to say I'm never going to watch Bel Air, but like, Bel Air is not at the top of my to do list. You know, and it's. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to it. I'll get. I think I'll probably watch an episode at some point, but I feel. I feel a kind of way, not because I think that they've, you know, sullied the purity of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but because, like, when I think about Fresh Prince of Bel Air, I don't think about a gritty real life. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air for them to, like, show him almost get murdered at the park. (laughs) <laughs> like I watched it <laughs> when I saw why uh, when I saw like the inciting incident that makes them you know makes them move to Bel Air in the new one I was like what is that did niggas really get that mad on the court that he was like I gotta go away I guess so yeah <laughs> I gotta get away because in the in the in the original intro you know like it's a very comical people are chasing him around the basketball court and then his he spun him around on his head he didn't even, like yeah. hit him. <laughs> so like yeah it's i don't know so yeah we'll see what this new reboot entails but i won't. we're not here for it yeah I, I will say that i'm not necessarily intrigued by the, the the premise alone like we'll have to see what that turns into um but yeah. it is time to play our favorite game we're gonna go. Go, around, go around and see what the people think and the critics think about White Man Can't Jump. I uh, have not seen these, actually. It's so funny. I was on the IMDP page, and I didn't <laughs> think to look at it. Well, let's let's start with IMDb. Okay. 
Uh, you know what it is. What do you think it has out of 10? Out of 10. People like this movie. I'm going to give it a solid 7. Close. 6.8. Oh, um, yeah. That feels good. Yeah. I'm cool with that. People do like this movie. Again, like in the in the halls of sports films, right? Like there's a lot of movies that I think it's really more about the sport, right? right? Like whether or not the movie itself is good, people are like, but I really liked when they played baseball, but I really liked when they played <laughs> hockey, but I really liked when they played football. You know what I mean? So yeah. like if the football, if you just love football and like you'll watch the longest yard or like whatever, right. you know what I mean? Like that is the, the story, the plot, a lot of that is irrelevant if the sport right. element of it is good. And so, not to say that there's other there's not anything else enjoyable about this movie, but like the this is probably again some of the best basketball. I personally will say that I prefer Above the Rim to this movie, but I cannot deny that the basketball in Above the Rim is not as good as the basketball in this film. I have to admit, I have not seen Above the Rim. Please don't come for me, audience. <laughs> Please don't send me any hate mail. Well, Above the Rim, so like a lot of basketball movies have, if you remember, pick one. Pick, uh, you know, the Family Matters episodes where Urkel played basketball <laughs> or uh, the Fresh Prince episodes where they played basketball or... Yeah the hanging with Mr. Cooper episodes where they play back. Like there's a, there's a, there's a way that people usually film basketball and it is kind of like nothing like watching basketball. (laughs) Pretty straight on. Pretty straight on. So this, this is the closest to like, Oh, we're watching people hoop at the park. Right. Kind of thing. As opposed to, you know, even like, I mean, even he got game, which is like a great movie. Yeah. The, the, kineticism of the basketball scenes in that movie doesn't really even come close to white man can't jump which is yeah shocking to say yeah so i think that's you know that that's not necessarily all the love that this movie gets but you know sure. specifically when you talk about sports films it comes up a lot because i think people just appreciate the way that they filmed the actual sport element of it um yeah. jumping over to rotten tomatoes how do you think the the critics received this movie they liked it. They liked it, I gotta say. It's probably gonna be 75. Again, close. 77. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. I think a lot of people really enjoyed the the basketball, right? Um, but it was really that chemistry between... Their chemistry is yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, the, the thing that really pulls the critics in is that, you know, these guys are... They're really bouncing off each other. There's a lot of great chemistry. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, Rosie Perez and Woody Harrelson have chemistry. Like, there's there's a lot of great... Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's there's a lot of really great performances and kind of just them bouncing off each other. So I think, you know, and the story of the movie isn't anything, like, that's going to blow your mind. Yeah. Um, and there's not necessarily anything here that's, like, the height of drama. Uh, but I think it's a it's a story yeah, well even, told. Even the the plot about the uh the 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 bookies that are coming to find them yeah, is that's kind of goofy. It's treated yeah. kind of goofy, honestly. Yeah, and then it it kind of just has to play off, you know. Like they're like, all right, I guess we need to resolve that plot thread. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So they just kind of like, all right, let's do that. But um, yeah, generally, again, this was a movie that was that was well received by critics. 
Um, but obviously we have to get to our favorite one, one Amazon.com um, out of 3,096 ratings. What do you think people gave white men can't jump? I want to say five stars, Jordan. Hmm. Four and a half. No, no, uh, <laughs> no regular Amazon love for white men can't jump. It's very classic. strange. It's that got, is strange. It's got a 4.7 technically. Okay. It's got 82% five star ratings, but I guess however they weight these things, it's, it's got four and a half stars in the little star rating thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but. I mean, people do like the movie. It's yeah, it's not like they give it like yeah. It wasn't like a two or anything, but um, does Amazon have twos, Jordan? uh, You know, you would think, but there's always there's again there's always the people who are just like, I received what I ordered, five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's get to our Caucasian ranking. I don't have to explain this to you, Cameron, but we'll we'll go through it. <laughs> yeah, just for the audience, for just everybody, for any newcomers, you know. We've got three levels of caucasity. The first level is shorts in the winter. We're in the summer now. We're getting close to. Uh, if it's not officially summer, we're we're getting there. So, um, uh-huh. you know, shorts are an acceptable thing to wear in this kind of weather. It's eighty degrees outside, by all means. But when we get to the later part of the calendar, and it is thirty degrees outside. It is 20 degrees outside. There is snow on the ground. Um, and and certain members of our community still make the decision to wear <laughs> shorts, uh, even though it is it is not just cold. Like, it's within your best interest to cover your body from the for elements. For health reasons. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, That's for health reasons. You know, it's not, It's there's nothing, there's no good reason to not have pants on you know in this in this time yet they they insist on it and while it is not harming me while i am not uh set back by it in any way i do have questions it is a curiosity i do wonder why you would do that um but it is it is not a violence and it is not doing me any actual harm uh what's the second level cameron Uh, second level caucasity is this movie is touching my hair yeah this movie is now a problem (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie has, you know, t- tried to commit an act of violence. Maybe it didn't connect, or maybe it didn't uh, hurt you as much as it had hoped. But uh, it's definitely like there's some intention at this point. Yes. Um, with touching, touching your hair. And the third level, there <laughs> originally, what I was going to go for is I don't know if you saw any of this, Cameron, and I think I'm saying her name right. Uh, but uh, at the at the Billboard Music Awards, uh, Cara Delevingne. Oh yes, I was, did see uh, this. Really peak white woman, uh, just very, just literally stalking Megan the Stallion. She's and, literally like almost touching her hair. Yes, and just popping. It might up. as well be touching her hair. She was everywhere. There's there's video of them inside where like Megan is talking to I think Doja Cat, and then Cara just pops up behind them like a. <laughs> Megan literally had to cut her out of her picture to post it on her Instagram yeah. story. So she was very thirsty in a way that was just like, woof, yeah. boy, Ooh. you're you are in public. Like people can't see you. Uh, are you sober? <laughs> <laughs> um but 
that wasn't the whitest thing that happened this week. She was outdone. She was outdone by another white woman. Uh, so you know, like, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah. So there was a story earlier this week on Monday, um, about a woman who claims that critical race theory is turning her son more black i indoctrinated her son uh so it's a white woman who has a biracial child shout out to logic um and (laughs) shut up and uh according to her uh her this is this woman's name is melissa riley according to her she went on to of course fox news and had the temerity and the caucasity to say the following melissa is now suing his school claiming they brainwashed her son melissa riley joins me now along with her attorney ryan bangert alliance defending freedom senior counsel all right so melissa your your son is uh the father's black you're white and he'd never mentioned issues with race before you're saying what exactly changed Right. We didn't have issues before. He's in eighth grade. They introduced this critical um, program, and now he's having racial issues that was not there before. What kind of racial issues is he having? Well, he's seen himself just as a black man. He's seen things that don't go his way as racism, um, and he's finding safety in numbers now. So when you're saying he gets a bad grade at school, he blames racism, or a girl rejects him on a date, racism, are those the kind of things you're seeing? Yes, I ask him to clean the house, racism, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're kidding, right? Are you serious? (laughs) No, I'm serious. They have totally changed his perspective. They have put him in a box. She said, sir, there is a nigger in my house now, and I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, uh, what I love about this clip is that the first thing that she says was, he's seeing himself as a black man. And I'm like, you would hope so. (laughs) You mean Aquarius found his inner nigga? (laughs) There is a part, I forget the exact wording she used, but something along the lines of, like, he's finding strength in numbers. And I was like, what are you you talking about? (laughs) That's the best part about it. That and, like, the... uh, the earlier part but like i love how she's uh like skewing these things like they're horrible but like wait so he's seeing himself as a black man so he's finding inner identity yeah he's finding his identity he's finding strength in numbers so he's finding community (laughs) like the fuck (laughs) and he's not doing your bullshit chores anymore he's not doing your bullshit chores (laughs) shut up melissa damn let let the warriors live yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I find it I find it interesting that she thinks that if she had white children they wouldn't be talking to her that way because we know they'd be talking they to you would. all kinds of ways. Dog. Oh my god. You know I, I, mean? I work at I work at a preschool and I have seen multiple children tell their mom, no <laughs> Shut up <laughs> and not die on the premises. <laughs> um so oh, also also fact, notice that the father's not there. The father's not there. Or and not not on the news program. I like I like how the host was like, Oh yeah, he's not doing his chores. That's a joke, right? And she's like, No. 
<laughs> no. I'm not he's joking. Not, he's not cleaning his room. And I'm on the news about it. <laughs> the uh, national so news. She is suing the school district uh, over oh, this. God. The, the case got thrown out. So, I mean, obviously. Like, right. I was about to say, I hope she has to pay lawyer fees. Yeah. I, hope she, I hope she runs broke paying them lawyer fees. Uh, you know what I mean? But I, I hope he came downstairs one day just smoking smoking some cools. <laughs> so, no, no. He's smoking a Newport Slim, bro. Smoking just he's smoking Slim. one, but he's got one behind the ear. Hell yeah. Put a do-rag on. <laughs> Mom, can you check my waves? <laughs> Mom, I'm going to be out. I'm going to need I'm, the I'm car. I'm going out. <laughs> I'm going to need the car right quick. He came back and he, he bought so many spices. <laughs> What's wrong with my cooking? So, I mean, it doesn't get more caucastic than that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a top. That's a winner. That's a Hall of Famer. Um, well, we got the receipts, Melissa. We yeah, have the receipts. We, we don't even really need to explain it anymore. It's just it's the ultimate violence. Uh, the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate, just presumption that like there could not be anything other than the way that you see the world. Um, so Cameron, where do you, where do you see <laughs> white man can't jump on that scale? Oh man! All right, I have to recover from that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. Um. So white men can't jump is like shorts in the winter. It it doesn't bother me. It's it's honestly kind of good. Mm-hmm. I fuck with it. Uh, point blank period. Honestly, I just kind of fuck with it. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I think uh, <laughs> it's a movie that. I mean, again, of all the movies that we watched, you know, there's some movies that like. Obviously, I'll watch The Matrix again, and like you know, yeah. certain oh. other films. But like, I might run Django back. Yeah, but this is like, oh, I definitely watch White Man Can't Jump again. Like, if it was on sure. TV, or if somebody was like, "Yo, you want to watch X, Y, and Z?" Or you know, like, I'd see it. You know, I have no problem with this movie. Um, right. Again, like. I've got a problem, and as much as I've got a problem with a lot of things from the 90s or, you know, before, where it's just like, yeah, we don't do that anymore. We we off that. Yeah, (laughs) but in terms of the the race interplay, I think that, you know, like, it's done in a way where, I mean, it's kind of barely talked about, you know, like, they, they bring up certain things, and Woody has some strange ideas about black basketball players yeah uh and you know wesley keeps telling him that he can't hear Jimi hendrix and you know things like that like there's certain little things where it's like yeah we're, we're kind of talking about it but like that's not what the movie's about um yeah. and that's fine because not every movie that has you know a, a multiracial cast needs to like sit in that space like you can they do need things. to sit and have they need to sit and have the the jungle fever scene with all the women sitting around the table. Yeah. <laughs> Not every race movie needs to have that. No, we don't we don't always have to have a dialogue just because, you know, there's yeah. two people of the opposite race. Sometimes we can we can uh we can play ball. Yeah. So I res- I respect it in that sense that like they it wasn't that they completely balked at the idea or were like nah they don't even see each other like that, you know, because they're, they're bigger than that or, you know, whatever. It's just like, right. We don't have a, um, what's his name? The director of, uh, 
of uh, same kind of different as me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have that guy being like, I don't see the issue. Yeah. <laughs> None of that here. Um, so, yeah, I would say that that definitely, um, I yeah, I... I'm still I'm still thinking about what this remake is going to be, and I'm like I don't. I think that movie might be touching my hair just yeah. off the off the vibes, off, off the Jack Harlow vibes, um, off the Jack Harlow <laughs> vibes. Uh, yeah, well, your, your boy is uh, problematic. <laughs> um, I mean, do you want to recommend any movies? I would recommend this movie. I, I would recommend watching White Man Can't Jump. Yeah. This is the first. Yeah. I mean, I also watch, watch, watch Above the Rim if you haven't seen Above the Rim. I like there Above the Rim. Um, if you want to see Tupac, you know, and and prime Pac energy, just like there you go going at uh Mar, is it Marlon? Yeah, he's going at Marlon Wayne's. Uh, yeah, and yeah. uh, who's my man, Birdie? Uh, oh. oh man, you're going to do. Oh, it was is that Wood Harris? Yeah, yeah, Wood Harris. Your boy Wood Harris is just. That's black acting school. Yeah, we're here. Your just, boy is in everything. And he's just a menace in that movie. He's just there to to fuck shit up. Him and Bokeem Woodbine are just like <laughs> all the checks that the black actors ain't getting, yep. they are getting. Them. Yep, yep. Um, well, I guess that's it for us. We did it again. Uh, we did it again, baby. I guess. OG white people can't save you. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, well. Okay, I'm telling everybody where they can find you, what you got going on. Um, you can find me on the internets. Uh, that's the Twitter and the Instagram. Hopefully not Elon Musk's Twitter mm-hmm. at uh, the Blipster 1138. You can find my sketch comedy group, To Karen With Love, on YouTube and Instagram at To Karen With Love. Um, and on Twitter at To Karen Comedy. Um, if you're in Brooklyn during the month of June... You can check out a movie that I did. It will be playing at the BAM Cinema Fest, Fernie and Luca. So come check me out. I will be at the premiere. So come holla at your boy. And um, yeah, hoping to have some things in the cooker. And uh, if you see me on IG, then I probably did a commercial or three. Okay, for sure. Uh, and I'm Jordan Clark. You can find me on twitter and instagram at jrsosa18 jrsosa18 hopefully i'll be out here doing some some conventions for comic stuff Ooh. coming up in the future so you know samurai sonia is coming out june 15th uh, and we'll be running five issues until october uh so you know get those in your local comic book stores if you want to look for us you can find us on twitter at white underscore pod um, hey. you can also maybe possibly see us live at some point we're, in the future we're, we're working, working on it. it we swear we are working yeah, on it you know we've been we've been talking it up the same with the patreon we've been talking it up but we just want to make sure we do both of those things right we don't just right come out of, come out of pocket like kendrick said, yeah we don't want to give y'all pocket. no bump you know what I mean? <laughs> get uh, back in pocket <laughs> <laughs> i like that uh so we'll we'll make we'll make sure that we do that right when we, when we right. do that but we definitely will drop that here you know for you guys to to know about to look out for, for sure, um for sure. if you want to get in touch with us uh you can reach us at white people won't save you pod at gmail.com send us your movie recommendations send us your caucasity that you see out in the world hot takes uh, yeah give us give us whatever you got and you know also always helps if you rate and subscribe and review and all that stuff you do with your podcast wherever you get your podcast 
Um, you know, we've gotten some lovely reviews from people and, you know, a lot of, a lot of five stars, which we definitely appreciate. Um, but you know, it always helps with that algorithm. You never know, you know, how that kind of helps us pop up in other people's feeds. So, yeah. Um, that's it for us this week. We'll be back with more Cuckassity next week. Peace. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.